Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show again. Uh, I'm back to North America, though, uh, today. Um, we are in Upper Minnesota with TEDx Bemidji. Uh, you'll have to look at the spelling uh, for that. Um, with Samantha Nino, who is uh, the organizer but Sam, you're like, you're so much more than that. Cause I, I will talk a little bit about your event, but I am so intrigued because you're a slide deck designer. And I mean, you're like epic. How many TEDx's have you done? <laughs> um, I've been part of 14 oh my TEDx gosh. events as the, like the official slide deck designer for speakers, helping them get ready. That is, uh, I mean, the only person I know who does that is um, Jill Duarte, who does that for, you know, the t the main TED stage. And I I had not yeah. met someone else who does that. What what is the superpower you have that allows you to make <laughs> all these decks? Oh, I love presentations, Mark. They're my they're oh. my passion. Yeah, that's my that's my full time living. I do presentations for other people, but oh. TEDx events are special. Um, my background is in graphic design, but I, in the last five years, I slowly switched that to focus on presentation design. Okay, so here here's the question, and and some of my listeners um, they don't know this one's coming. PowerPoint or Keynote? <laughs> um, you know most speakers want PowerPoint. Keynote is easier to use, in my opinion, um, for creating slide decks, but 95% of the slide decks that I work on are PowerPoint. But they I, don't look like PowerPoint. They they look like uh, a visual storytelling experience. It, it doesn't look like PowerPoint at all. I love, I, of course they don't. You're, you're a TED person. <laughs> but now, so what was the uh, what was your first taste of TED? Well, it it kind of ties into the story of how I became a presentation designer because they're very much linked. Oh, okay. Um, so in 2009, I was in a bookstore in Sacramento huh? airport because I was part of another company in Northern California. But I was in the Sacramento airport and I spotted Nancy Duarte's yep. dynamic red book called Slideology. Yep, yep, yep. yep. I know it well. Awesome. It's the art and science of creating great presentations. And that book planted the seed in my mind that you, oh. there are presentation designers out there. So you hadn't been that before. No, I, oh. my background is graphic design and multimedia. Sure. sure. Uh, and, but in her book, yeah. she featured two, two Ted talks that are still some of my favorites. Um, Benjamin Zander, the, yep. the yep. transformative power of classical music. Yep. And then the second one, 
Uh, Jill Bolte Taylor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My stroke of insight with the brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I watched those two TED talks and it it I, I was hooked. I right. loved. Right. I love this dynamic um, presentation experience. I'm like, and it, it made me go down the rabbit hole of finding other TED Talks. And when I was watching this, I think it was a child psychologist talk about uh, something important. I can't even remember her <laughs> name or the topic, but she had beautiful slides. And I'm like, how is she this amazing psychologist and researcher? And she's a great graphic designer someone has to help her. Mm. And that, that realization is like, oh, that could be me. I could help oh. people like her. Oh, so I, I completely changed my, my career, my focus based on the Slideology book and Ted talks. And now I'm a presentation designer. And how did you get your, I, I, I do another show called 805 conversations where I, okay. uh, here at the, this part of central California is the 805 area code. It's fairly large and I haven't, <laughs> I haven't run out of people to talk to, but I'm, I'm interested in solopreneurs and people who figure out how to follow their passion and start a job and do all that. How did you get your very first slide design client? Tell me that. Ooh, it's a good one. I have to think back. Uh, it was an existing client. The Actually, I think it was Minnesota State Colleges and Universities. They're an existing client. I did other graphic design work for them. And I pitched them on this idea of, hey, I'm starting to develop, create really professional-looking PowerPoints. That's sure, how I sure. They do a lot of presentations for conferences and such. Right. If, you're, if you're ever doing a conference, let me know, and I'd be, I'd be happy to take on that type of project. And they... They let me try try now, it out. And, that was the beginning. Yes. Then, then how did you now? So then, what was your first TEDx? Someone, how did they find you? And then how did you say yes? Because we, I mean, now do you charge TEDx or or is that a volunteer thing? It's a good question. So the first uh, five or six, I did completely volunteer. So how I got into the TEDx world is once I discovered that TED talks are the most amazing presentations in the world. Mm, mm, I mm. checked out the TED site and realized that there was a TEDx event within 120 miles of where I lived, TEDx Fargo. And TEDx Fargo was having their upcoming event in July. This was in uh, 2013. So I reached out to the coordinator and just said, hey, you don't know me, but I love helping other people with their their presentations, their slide decks. I I would love to volunteer at your event and help your speakers if you'll let me. And basically, and Greg said, yes. and Greg, Greg said, "Heck yeah!" That's how I heard yes. about you. We we interviewed him, had him on the show, oh, and awesome. I and I, I um I I play a um I I like to think I can do r- good design. I kind of honestly i suck but you know i i try i've got a lot i have a lot of heart so i have a a soft spot because still even mine will be better than the guys i work with Uh, but i love that whole that that speaker support world right that you know have something amazing on the screen so so you did fargo and then you've done how many have you done since then six or seven or eight or um well 
this will be the fifth one for Fargo this year. Their, their event is in July. Yep. This will be the fifth time yep. that I've helped them. But yeah. you help and other I te- love their. I oh, love yeah. their. It's so good. Their event is amazing. Right, but you do others. Yes. Um, so there are other TEDx's in the region. So we have TEDx Grand Forks. Right. That's in North Dakota. TEDx Brookings. TEDx Gull Lake. Right. Um, and let's see. TEDx Bemidji. So right. uh, essentially there are five different TEDx's in the region. So do they hire you now that you've figured out how to work this? They can come and hire you to do it? Yes. So I donate my time for TEDx Fargo and TEDx Bemidji. Because that's your Bemidji. that's your deal, yeah. right? Sure. Got it. Yep. But the others have, since it's become such a, a big portion of my time, especially the five, six weeks leading up to the event, it takes 40 to 60 hours of time just to prepare all the slide decks for speakers. And not all the speakers want help, but being able to troubleshoot slides that are in the wrong aspect ratio or maybe don't comply with TEDx guidelines. I really try to help speakers um, not only make a great impression with their slides, but help them feel comfortable and really confident with their visuals. Okay, here's a good one. How do you, I have this, I'm, okay, dear listener, tell me if you've got this problem. <laughs> the speaker has the controller and they're nervous and they they hit it and either they hit it too quick or it was there was some lat- latency and the, they, it's the wrong slide or they're looking at the confidence monitor and they're seeing the slide that's coming up, not the slide that's up. And, and we get into a little clicker war. What's your, what's the 411 on that? Uh, such a good question. And it happens at least once an event. Um, so we kind of discovered this accidentally at TEDx Fargo in that we found that if I could work with speakers or, you know, if one person could work with speakers in advance, that was me for TEDx Fargo and I could also be in the technology booth with the AV team running the the slide decks from their computers, but controlling the confidence monitors. So it's the same person before the event, at rehearsal and during event that is familiar with the slides and and has met each of the speakers, at least at rehearsals. It seemed to help with those types of tech issues of... (laughs) <laughs> feeling nervous about advancing right. the slides or knowing right. what to do. Right. And I really try to describe to the speakers what the technology setup is in advance. We show pictures of what it'll look like and really help guide them through, walk them through um, what it's all about. And I, I'm finding that those types of errors happen when speakers are extremely nervous. Yeah. And if we can help, may help them feel more comfortable and conf- confident on stage. It helps alleviate some of those things. So it's practice, but it's also something that I've been reading with Amy Cuddy's book presence, sure, sure, sure. Um, trying to do some brain hack right. exercises before right. stepping on stage. And oh, I, I, I love that. The, that just, it's that giving them confidence, right? There's something about being a speaker coach. My wife is a speaker coach. So I, I know what the brain hack part of that yeah. is, right? That's a big deal. But it hadn't dawned on me that having someone who's just dialed with the 
the presentation bit of it is equally, especially if it's a presentation heavy, you know, uh, deal. Some Sir Ken Robinson, yeah. there's nothing on screen. It's just him. Right. right? So it, you don't have to have it. What's your philosophy about that, by the way? Um, more slides, less slides, do it without. I mean, you're a slide <laughs> designer, so yes. I, I got that. But do you, when you, you meet your speaker and they say, okay, here's the 200 slides I want to use. And you, <laughs> you look at their deck and, and you say, hold it. We could tell this story so much more effectively. What's that yeah, conversation like? That's, that's a really, really good question. So, you know, one, I'm not, I don't have a formula for the number of slides you should or should not have. Right. Um, but my approach is use the number of slides that it takes to s tell a story and let it unfold for the audience. If it's, if you only have a 10 minute presentation though, and have 200 slides, yeah. you're probably going to be worrying about the remote and clicking through it so quickly that you may lose the audience. So there is a happy medium, but yep. there's yep. not an exact formula. And when I see a slide deck that may be in a little bit of trouble, I, the first question that I ask is, tell me again, what, what is, what is the idea? What is the core message of your presentation? What is your idea worth spreading? Yeah. And many times if I see a slide deck that has 200 slides or it's just overwhelming, the speaker can't answer that question. And if they can't answer that question, it's going to be a really it's a different problem, talk. isn't it? It's a different yeah, problem. That, that's a core fundamental problem. So we have to step back, even put the PowerPoint away. Yeah, yeah. And get back to that. Do you that find yourself method. being a speaker coach too? You know, TEDx Fargo has a professional speaker right. coach. I know, I know. Yeah. So some speakers will just skip over that step and say, ah, I've been presenting for decades. I don't need any help. I don't need any speaker That's a coach red help. flag. That's a red flag, everybody. <laughs> if you hear that from one of your speakers, yeah, because your TED Talks are. They're different. Yep. Yeah. Tech yep. talks are different. So if they skip the step with the speaker coach and I, I still ask, you know, tell me your idea we're spreading, explain it to me. And if I, if they're having problems explaining it to me, I really encourage them to have a meeting with the speaker coach and then come back to the visuals. If they refuse, then we just kind of work through it together. Like, remind me again, what is the core idea? Where do you want to take your audience? Like, really bringing it back to those goals um, rather than getting hung up on fonts and images and text on the slide. That'll come later once that message is honed. Are you a fan of the just a solid image that's more atmospheric? Yeah. I am. <laughs> it it's I mean you can use phrases or one word very powerfully on on a slide but it's you know I, I've listened to several episodes of this podcast and I love it by the way. Oh thank um, you. And there's a lot of coordinators talk about curating the perfect event like what it takes to curate that experience with the speakers and the activities and the audience even talking about curating that experience. Well, slide deck design is curating the visuals that go uh. with that slide. So really, it's not just pull any visual from a random site. I mean, not only is that probably not 
licensed imagery, but it doesn't really serve your story well. Like how will you curate this visual to match the experience that you're delivering with your words? That's how, that's my approach, the visual story part of it. Now it's interesting that you, because that designer hat is so firmly on your head that when you listen to the show, that's the vibe. He's like, Oh, hold it, Mark. <laughs> you didn't ask him about the visual design, you know, and which is why, why we're doing yeah. this show, right? It's because I, I, I totally get that. And, uh, I'm, I, there's, it's funny when you, when you do these and you kind of have the same conversation by design, you find that there are some missing pieces. So now I'm, uh, if any of you want to nominate your set designer, let me know. Herbert, who is, uh, does, uh, TEDx PSU, that's what he does, but we didn't get into that part of it. I, I really want to talk mm -hmm. about how, how, uh, in a film, you have someone called a production designer. And they're an art director, right? Yeah. So the whole look and feel, everything all meshes together. And, you know, sometimes I, I don't know that we do as good a job of that as we could, you know? So when I do this show, I'm, I'm usually asking what makes, uh, your event unique. But with you, um, I want to know what makes your slides unique. What I've noticed, what seems to work the best for me is when I first get to know the individual speaker, mm. rather than taking their slides and putting them through this uh, make pretty filter, and, like make all the slides look nice. I want that. Uh, <laughs> instead of um, doing that just from the get go uh, without talking with them, I first like to talk with them and hear who they are, what they do, mm. why are they doing this? Like what matters to them? Get to know their personality. Mm. Because most of the time I find out that speakers started their slide deck from a template. There wasn't really oh. a rhyme or a reason. They just started with a, a PowerPoint or keynote template and just went with it because it was either last minute or they didn't right. really think about that choice. So once I get to know their personality, I can start to find clues of what images and what kind of textures or styles would really match that person. Because my goal is not only to see that the talk matches what's being said and communicated and helps clarify that message, but it also matches the speaker and their personality and their style, and it makes it feel like that presentation belongs to them. Give me an example of that because I'm I'm having a hard time. I I hear what you're saying, but I'm I'm thinking if we've got someone talking about bioengineering, yeah. Um, how well, the, how does their personality affect what you're thinking about when you design the deck? So if it's so one in particular for a TEDx Fargo one that stands yeah. out for me, yeah. um, there's a, there's a speaker who <laughs> does a talk on, um, sorry, but not sorry. Uh, gosh, I can't remember her name right now, I'll but find it. when I interviewed her about what she liked and what she didn't like and her personality, she's just, she's so much fun, has so much personality. Um, she wears like two to three scarves at a time. Like oh, she's very, very <laughs> she has Depp. her own. <laughs> yes, she, she's very fashionable. She loves art. 
she loves being herself and just loud and bold. So her slides, um, and she loves the color purple. Mm. So her slides um, had this really cool painted acrylic paint texture um, in the background. Um, and it allowed the visuals to have the same sort of theme throughout um, that tied it tied together. But the font choice was also very approachable, friendly, like they're little minor details that most people probably wouldn't pick up on, although they would know that that looks like her deck that there's right. no one else that that could belong to. So it's on brand. It is right. brand. Yes, right. it's on brand. That's right. a great way of putting it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I, when we think about ourselves as brands, I think of a woman I worked with at a uh, marketing person, uh, at Macromedia and she had had a lunch date and they were meeting. I says, well, how was the guy? She says, yeah, he's on my brand. He's on brand for me. And I was like, oh, okay. Like you're too geeky. And I love that about you. Um, what, what, what's been the biggest surprise you've had? You've done, how many decks did I hear? You've, oh, it's 60 plus or something like that. Or is it more than that? Yeah. Um, worked with 60 plus speakers over the last five years. The biggest surprise has been, I would say I didn't expect some of the people who are the most successful in their profession to be nervous or full of self-doubt when stepping on the stage. That was surprising to me. And it, it, it still happens at each event. Yep, sure it does. Even though they've had tremendous success in their careers, Many speakers just are filled with anxiety um, stepping on such a into a high stakes presentation. The, the word high situation. stakes comes up over and over. Oh wait, hold it! That's on your website. You call it high stakes presentations, right? And yeah, I, and I yeah. talk about high stakes communications. I think I said my wife's a mm-hmm. speaker coach, but I um, and she focuses on TEDx people. But I like because I'm in the startup and entrepreneurial world. I like to. I'll say to these young bucks that are trying to raise money. I mean, that 12 minutes, you've got that VC in front of you is as important to you and your life as a TED talk is to someone else. And you should be approaching it with the same kind of uh, rigor. What is, um, I'm going to save our trick to the end because I, I mean, I just love this. I could be, we could talk (laughs) for days and thankfully I had there, the gods created clocks and time or otherwise I would go over. What's the biggest challenge for you when you're doing these? I would say, um, (laughs) it's the pressure prompted people working with the pressure prompted people. (laughs) What does that mean? What's a pressure prompted person? So I was recently part of this community leadership training this this spring, and we went through a, the Myers Briggs profile. Right. Um, you right. know, if you're introvert, extrovert, yep. um, yeah, things like that. So one of the profile traits in that report is if you're an early starter, if you start your projects as soon as you find that find out, and you'd like to be done months, weeks several days ahead of schedule, whatever it is, but you're early starter, you start out as soon as you find out. And then there are the pressure prompted people. Notice I did not say procrastinators. I said pressure prompted. Okay. And what I learned 
from this training is that there are two types of people. The early starters do their best work when they have a ton of time to really think through that process and really hone and adapt. Well, the pressure prompted people do their best work when there's a tremendous amount of pressure and they need to figure it out. Um, and they have that 11th hour to really mm. just dial things in and, and really hammer out whatever they're working on. So the pressure prompted people, and I, it, it feels like they seem to be more common for <laughs> TED talk events. Um, they, they do their best work at the 11th hour. Um, I've over the years trying to figure out how to best work with pressure prompted mm. people. Cause I'm an early starter. I love getting stuff done way early and then honing and tweaking. But what I've come to realize with the pressure prompted people, if there are meaningful deadlines along the way, oh, sure. meaningful deadlines, like such as, you know, identifying that core idea, um, having a, a, an outline that you can talk through ver verbally, like you could talk through and present right. even um, two months ahead of time, or just give me the rundown, even if it's a 20 minute talk at that point, but like meaningful deadlines along the way and, and hold to those deadlines, make them feel Accountable. critical. Like they have to present in front of somebody. Not just turn something in, but present in, in front of someone. I love that. That's I a found great that's tip. a really, yeah, I found that's a really great way of helping our pressure pressure prompted friends stay <laughs> on track and have enough time to create a talk of a lifetime. Separate question: um, <laughs> Do you also work with organizers to do the main show deck. So there's the speaker deck. The, mm. e, an individual speaker has their deck, but then there's an overall deck that might have the tips, uh, might have, you know, turn off your cell phone, thanks to the sponsors, has the the theme, you know, all that, the glue in between. Do you do those too? Sometimes. Sometimes they're like the design committee or um, design team for a particular event. They'll want to take that on and then they'll send me the slides and I'll just import them into the between the slide decks um, when running the show. Sometimes organizers will ask if I'll do um, all the, the glue, as you as you yeah. say, the, the slides that hold the event together. So it just depends on the coordinator preference. So now we're this now, dear listener, please bear with me. Cause these are, <laughs> these are the important questions. Uh, do, are you a fan of all individual decks and then you queue them up and then the, the, the booth uh -huh. will fire them? Or do you want one massive six gigabyte file that, <laughs> that you run? Uh Oh, this is, these are great questions because these are the nitty gritty details that a lot of people don't think about yep. um, until they're in it and experience in it. So I've done it both ways based on the coordinator's preference and the AV team's preference, really. Um, but my, what I like to do in an ideal situation is have individual slide decks okay. and they're all numbered in order of the show. Um, so if there's a session, four sessions, in the session one folder, they'll be numbered one through four if you have four speakers in the first session yep. and the name. So it's organized that way. But the reason why I love to have the slide decks separate 
is because inevitably there are speakers who are making changes the day before at rehearsal or even the morning of, even when we just say there are no changes. But what do you do? What do you do when a speaker comes up and they're, they're geared, they're probably the pressure prompted people. Yes. They're, they're ready to give the talk of their lifetime and yes. they've worked on this for months. What do you do in that position to say, you know, no, I'm not going to change this word. This is ridiculous. You, and you, you want can't go all feel, parent child on them and yeah, say, you, come on, dude, you yeah. had time. Because in those final moments, the final uh, 48 hours before an event, like everything the team needs to do for that speaker is help them feel comfortable and confident. Like yep. we need to help them yep. have presence yep. on stage. So I'm going to do everything that they can, that I can to help them feel comfortable and confident. And, and if that means making some minor tweaks last minute, I won't, I won't advertise that, but yeah, I will yeah, do yeah. it. Well, you just yeah. did. I know. <laughs> everybody's many- listening. Everybody's listening. <laughs> the whole world is listening right now. Yeah. And you're, you're so busted. Um, <laughs> do you... Um, you know, one of the things I've been trying to find, I'm a big fan of the theme of an event. I love how creative people get with themes. Uh, yeah. Yet not every TEDx has a theme. Um, there isn't a database of themes. I wish there was. Um, yeah. Hey, listener, if you feel like taking that on as a challenge, challenge <laughs> accepted. Uh, I, I, and I, in guiding our designers, I just did a Google search for TEDx theme graphics. And mm-hmm. just try that and you'll be blown away. And I posted it on the Facebook page for TEDx and I was like, no one had ever actually done that uh, because they're really, really interesting. What, what's been your favorite one? The one that just, you looked at it and went, that's it. Nailed it. Ooh. On the spot. <laughs> the one that I think about uh, is our TEDx Bemidji event we just had in April. Our yeah. event just happened. And what I loved about it, we it was our first event, so we assembled a local team and we have a university in Bemidji that has a program called, that's technology art and design. They have a one of the only exhibit design programs in the country oh, and then they have a graphic design program. Now exhibit design listener is for museums and trade shows and yep. those kinds of things. Okay, cool. Keep going. Yes, and event design. Yeah, so they right, want to right. take the take on the set design um, challenge. Oh, you were a class and- project. Yes. Yes. Oh, it was awesome. How awesome is yeah. that? Great. Yeah. And the theme, the theme part of it and where I'm getting to with the design, a student took that on for her senior portfolio, um, the theme of thrive. And so she spent a lot of time um, making this amazing theme visual to tie with our event. Um, but it was because we had people who really cared about what was being produced and it really wanted to give their best effort. I love it's really that. awesome. That, yeah. that is boy. That's there's the hat. Go find a, a exhibit design university near you. Uh, yes. that, that can help. <laughs> um, what, what are you looking? So what are you looking forward to 
you know, the, the next engagement you have, cause any, by the way, anybody, if they wanted to engage you, they could go to your site and we'll, we'll post that in the show notes. Um, yeah. and it's redzestdesign.com. And I, I love that. I mean, I think there's a whole ecosystem of services around TEDx <laughs> and that's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. the next person who calls you, is there something you've been wanting to try? And you're like, okay, I saw this and like my next one, I'm totally doing this. Oh, hmm. that's a great question. I'm trying to think about if that's there's my job. There's a particular questions. style. I know you're doing. You're doing awesome. Hmm. You know, I love. Pachakacha presentations. Do you yes, know what those are? I sure do. Chit chat in okay. Japanese. Thank yes. you. Did one on yes. Friday. You did? I did. Fantastic. Well, I love Pachakacha presentations, and there's not too many speakers who are willing to put their presentation on automatic, like automatically do the slides. Um, they don't have they don't have any control over it right. because the reason why they don't normally do it is because they have to practice a lot, but yep. I wish yep. more speakers would be willing to do a, a slideshow that automatically advances so that they, they practice more and really hone, hone their miss their message. So I can't think of a particular style that I'm wishing that, but that would, vibe. more speakers would do, yeah. but that vibe. Yeah. I, uh, I ran a, a strategic offsite, a growth offsite last week and uh, he wanted something. He came to me. I'm the TEDx Santa Barbara guy. And he, I said, why? Yeah. I don't do this. Why did you come to me? And he says, that's <laughs> why I'm coming to you because you're going to, you're going to hold us to a higher standard. And I yeah. said, okay, well, I do this thing <laughs> and it takes six minutes and 40 seconds long, but that's how we, how I start off. Cause I want to get people on the same page. I do one on, um, creative problem solving, the seven energy steps of oh. the creative problem solving. But it's just images, but they're all timed, right? Of 20 slides, mm-hmm. 20 seconds, yep. and they're going to go. And now I cheat on I'll tell you I cheat in that I find a music track that has a beat per minute of about 110 beats per minute, which is mm-hmm. about how I write tempo for me. And so that's playing low, but what that does is keeps me on a beat and I can wow. do my talk but you're not supposed to have music in those uh, according to their license rules. Right. But that's a fantastic strategy yeah. to do a, per, a successful Pachakta yeah, talk. Exactly. Exactly. Because you, you need, because otherwise you're, if you're not in a peak state, you know, you're either too fast or you're too slow. And no matter how timed you are, you'll never hit your mark. So I want to, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it's just a, no one knows I was doing that. Now the world knows, but, uh, <laughs> I, it was a point of honor for me to, to like nail that, like at six minutes and, you know, 39 yeah. seconds, ba bam, I'm done. I'm out, drop the mic and, you know, I'm good. And someone had to follow me. I did this, started doing this strategy years ago and someone followed me and said, how, how am I supposed to follow that? I'm going to give you 30 <laughs> minutes of boring PowerPoint. And I said, well, mm-hmm. You, you don't have to. You could just say, I'll take six minutes and 40 seconds. Thank you. And then we'll let the rest of the time be used for questions and, and conversation, yes. right? Which is like so much better. So I 
would love to know if I could take the red circle on stage and turn it into a magic carpet and fly you to any TEDx in the world. Where, <laughs> where are we going? Uh, TEDx Sydney. You know, there's a long line and the, the red carpets are just parked out over uh, Darling, <laughs> Darling Harbor. Um, everybody um, wants to go there. Remo? Remo, when I interview you in July, we're going to have to talk about chartering a jet and picking up people yes. from all over the world because uh, that is uh, – we're going to have them on – they're doing their show uh, this month in June. So we'll have them on in July. Um, they said, please, can – we would love to be on the show. Saw them at TEDFest, um, and I've known Remo forever. And uh, But that's the one. Go to Sydney, right? It's just crazy, right? Yeah. Well, not only – what I get to experience TED talks or TEDx talks. And I love that. Um, but I have this dream of being able to bike in, in Australia and I oh, love wow. cycling. Oh, yeah. Wow. So I could do both. Wow. Now, time. if you, uh, my, our listener knows I like to eat. I'm a, a chef uh, in my, in an alternate universe. Mm -hmm. And what Sydney did two years ago in their post survey, they said, what is your favorite to the, all the attendees? What's your favorite comfort food? What's that thing you love to oh. eat? And and, they, and no one knew why. They just did that. Well, the next year, so last year, they had the caterers, because they had to feed 3,000 people, right? The caterers prepared all of those foods. Wow. So that's all brilliant. the food was comfort food. I mean, who thinks of that? I love those people. That's so cool. So I want to finish up. <laughs> and I, again, like I said, I could, I would, I would love to, uh, by the way, uh, if you have a sample deck or a sample something that you can send me a link to, I'm going to put it in the show notes because I'd like people to see. So if you have a, a, a sample reel or anything like that, um, this is really interesting yeah. to me. And I think it's a, it's a part of the experience. And I love curating the visual continuity and all of that. That's just haven't talked about it yet. But what is your, what's the best hack you've got for? You know, that organizer out there is trying to figure out, okay, well, you know, how am I going to do this? How do I, how do I figure it out? Maybe they, you know, don't have the budget or they've got volunteers who are going to do it. What's, what's the hack? What's that thing for them? It, so I can't decide between two. Really. Well, give me, give me two and I'll decide. <laughs> I'll decide. Okay. One is the speaker onboarding process. Oh. So speakers are thrilled, normally thrilled to be asked to do a TEDx talk. Right. They've been waiting for this and or looking forward to this. And that initial excitement um, eventually wears off to anxiety or dread or procrastination or whatever it might be yep. um, as they get as they realize how much work this is going to be and how important it is. So if, if there's a formal speaker onboarding process, um, it really helps guide the speaker through a, a, a journey that of preparation. Again, it goes back to those pressure prompted folks, but even for the early starters, it's really nice when you have a process mm. that they know. So the process might be, like I said, um, Articulate your one core idea. That's one deadline. Um, encouraging and and really having at least one face to face uh, or video conference 
conversation with each speaker to get to know them, get to know if they're uh, what their personality is like, get, getting to talk through their core idea, encouraging them to go analog with their preparation rather than jumping to PowerPoint, but outlining that that process of that they'll need to go to to be successful is really important. And what's then the second the, one? The second hack is just much um, much more direct. It's send speakers a blank black slide to start their slide deck. That's the right aspect ratio because. Oh. Most speakers, even though they they may have read the the slide guide design for your event, and you say sixteen by nine ratio, a lot of people don't pay attention, don't read the guideline, or just use a, an existing slide deck they already have. So if you send them, hey, use this slide deck, this blank slide to start your presentation, right. you're more likely to get all your speakers to <laughs> be at least in the right aspect ratio for your event. Because they're 16.9 and 16.10. <laughs> yes. See, people don't know about 16.10, but that's not what you want. But right? mo- most... <laughs> The error usually comes because of four by three, like the speaker will send a four by three ratio and it'll be days before the event and uh, then you have to convert, you have to convert the PowerPoint or, and if you do the conversion for them, that sometimes work. But if it's, if if it stretches the design strange that they've worked for months on this and, and now we're changing it last minute. That's, that's no fun. We can't have that. I have, Samantha, Sam, I have really enjoyed this conversation. As you could tell, I'm, I'm all about doing the slides and all that stuff. I have to keep my, I'm, I am, I'm now not allowed to do that, uh, because I like doing it too much. It's so much fun. This has been a great conversation. Great to get to meet you. And please send us links to all the things that we can include and, uh, include, I also want the backstory on Bemidji. Uh, you said that's Native American, and I'd never heard of it. And I love great thing about this show is I'm hearing about cities I have never heard about. So this is a master class in geography. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. I loved being able to talk with you. I appreciate the invite and look forward to hearing more episodes. Yay. Yay. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.